Visitor Church, how you doing? Man, it is so good to see you. Like Jackson said, we are in week three of a brand new series looking at various themes that kind of weave themselves throughout the book of Proverbs. We want to impress upon ourselves that though sometimes we can read Proverbs and it, it feels like these fortune cookie one-liners that just keep bouncing from one topic or theme to the next, this is so much more than just some like deep thought or pithy statement. This is the word of God, and this is helping us to live and pursue wisdom. So if you have a Bible today, would you find your way to Proverbs chapter three? Proverbs chapter three, have your notes ready to go. And it is my great privilege to get to team teach with Pastor Jack Hamilton. And I think somewhere when the, um, the, the titles came up, you might have seen the word Grand Poobah under his name. That is definitely one of the titles that we go by around here. Our executive pastor for 36 years, he is in this great role now of just kind of a lot of encouragement for our own team, as well as a lot of work that you do with other churches, right. consulting with leaders and helping them navigate wisely. So when we were doing a series on wisdom, I just tried to find the wisest guy I know and said, would you come teach with me? And so we're so stoked to get to do this tonight. Pastor Jack, you want to say hi real quick to these guys? Yeah, we'll it just be fun to be here. As Todd said, he was, I think the last time I was on stage here was 2017, been a long time ago. And in 2020, I went quarter time here, January of 2020. And that was just wonderful wisdom because you know what happened in 2020. <laughs> in March of 2020, we went into COVID. And so I was three months uh, Beating that. The, and then left all these other guys to figure out everything. <laughs> Perfect so it's kind timing. of fun. Yes, talk about wise. That's yeah. where Pastor Jack was. Well, tell us a little bit, like even as we dive into this topic, I one of the reasons I wanted you to be a voice in this series as well is I know the book of Proverbs is very important to you and actually is very like foundational in your Christian walk. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and Todd, you know, I didn't become a Christian until I was 21. That was about four years ago. And uh, just kidding. And, but I was 21. and That got a really quick laugh, yeah, by the way. But it, they were, most of them didn't laugh. They were on it. No, yeah. they were on okay. it. Okay. But, uh, and so one of the guys that kind of discipled me a little bit challenged me to read the book of Proverbs every day, not the whole book. And you guys, I think Todd mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. There are 30, 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So the idea was to read one every day. So I would read, you know, chapter one on the first and second and third. And I did that for two years. Uh, back in the old days, some of you might not even know this, there was something written called the Living Bible. Mm -hmm. And now they have the New Living Translation, but the Living Bible is what I learned it. And I did that for about two years. And honestly, it was dramatic in my own life. That guy that uh, challenged me to do that, we would meet every Friday and talk about what we had read that week. Mm -hmm. And it's just so much wonderful, practical wisdom and experience and just save you a lot of wear and tear. But that was kind of the history. I love it. That's great. And that's really the, the tact, the approach of a book we mentioned a couple weeks ago, 31 Daily Drips of Wisdom yeah. uh, from our friend Aaron Levy. And one of the things, um, when we said this is just a great companion 
for this series. I was talking to my friend Bill tonight. Uh, my daughter Ellie and Joanna and I, beginning July 1, are just gonna go through. It's built this same way, one proverb a day. Got some great um, just connections to have you process and think through even like a, a significant impact verb for every chapter of the book of Proverbs and have a great conversation together. So you can get Aaron's book on um, Amazon, get it on your own, but a great uh, asset as we go through. The cool thing is, before we even, as we were finding out about this book and this resource, didn't even realize that Aaron is actually gonna be our camp speaker for our high schoolers as they leave tomorrow to go up to Forest Home. So that'll be super cool that not only will, have they heard maybe his name about this book, but they'll get to hear him for five days straight, and we're really stoked about that. Yeah. So it's gonna be good. good. It will be. Well, Pastor Jack, you're gonna kick us off. Tell us a little bit about even this passage we're looking at today. Yeah, I just, I just hope you don't get crazy with me. I want you to stand up. Come on, everybody stand up with me. I wanna honor God's word, and we're gonna read the verses on the screen. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and I'd like to have you read it out loud. And uh, I just wanna honor the word of God and honor our Savior as we begin this tonight. So please read with me out, out loud. Here we go. We're in verse 5 and 6. Chapter 3 of Proverbs. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Great stuff. Let's pray together as we begin. Father, we thank you for this time. I just pray, Lord, that your word would be alive and living and would touch every heart here to, uh, this day. And Lord, as they Listen, I pray, Lord, that they would even be one or two things that they could walk away with tonight as they leave the service that would be applied to their life and make a difference in their life for Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for the Savior that we have. We have Jesus as our Savior. We also, Father, have the living Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn from that tonight. Even as we sang with Izzy and the team, uh, those words on that screen can make a difference in our lives. And I pray, Lord, as we're here tonight, some of what we say, both Todd and I, would be helpful and challenging to these people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, uh, you know, someone said, you know, why do you need to, why do we need the whole book of Proverbs, a whole book full of Proverbs and what we have in the book of Proverbs. And I want you to know for a very important theological reason that we need this. And that reason is this. Most important reason God gave us the book of Proverbs, a theological reason, because people are stupid. Amen. You got that? Okay. That's our premise right there. People are stupid. And uh, so the Lord gave us that. And if we keep doing things that we know will destroy us, and the Word of God tells us that in this book. And so even I, I would see, you know, there's a lot of young people here tonight. I just would challenge you, even if nothing else, go home tonight and begin to study the Bible and start in the book of Proverbs because it will help you to live a life that's honoring and pleasing to our Savior. Look at the, you know, there's another verse that up on the screen there. It's 2826. Those who trust in themselves are what? Fools. Fools. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. And I think these two verses, these verse five and six here, almost can summarize the whole book of Proverbs. Uh, and it's, it's almost like a how-to book in a sense. And these are general principles and God gives us on how to live. And the results of those choices are given in this word, 
uh, in Proverbs. Or look at the next one in 14:12. It says, there is a way that appears to be right. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. And it is his way, not my way, not your way. And these are some initial observations that I think we're going to make tonight that make a difference for you and for me and for Todd as we live this life. And there's four, really there's four verbs in this. Look at the screen up there and you'll see them in your notes. It's trust, you'll see that, lean, submit, and make straight. That's the four we're going to look at. I'll take trust and, and submit and Todd will do the other two as we look at those. And these are all imperatives. That means they're verbs. They're commands that God asks ask us to do. Trust, lean not, submit, all are our responsibility. And the last verse is a declaration. He will make your path straight based on those three things, okay? And so there's a brief outline. My part is a trust, do not lean, submit, God's part, he will make straight. And there's one word there that's used four times. Look at that, or you, can, you don't have it in front of you again. But that word is your, the word your, Y-O-U-R. It's your heart, your understanding, your ways submit, your paths straight. So we have a positive, I'm to submit to him in all my ways, and the negative, I'm not to lean on my own understanding. So this whole passage is really conditional. If I do my part, God's gonna do his part. And Todd will share a little bit more about that when we get to that point. And it's a conditional promise. I am kind of a, a simple-minded guy. When you listen to me tonight, you think, well, he's kind of an idiot. But anyway, uh, but I'm simple. I, I preach to myself quite frequently. And I like those cause and effect verses. And one that I was thinking of, just to quickly share with you, is out of Psalm 37. And I say this to myself quite often. It says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. If I delight myself in the Lord, he will give the desires of my heart. And I think those go both ways. If I, did, if, if I, want to, if I delight myself in the Lord, he will give me my desires. Now, if I do that, I think my desires become his desires for me. But it's in a sense the same idea in this verse here. Certain things happen beforehand, which is our part, so that afterwards something might happen, which is God's part. And we have our part to play and God will do his part when we follow what he has laid out for us. So let's take that first word, that first verb, that first imperative, and he says, trust, trust. You can write that in your notes. Um, trust the Lord with all your heart. I was reading about a missionary lady that was serving in Africa, and I want to read this to you. Her name was Helen Rosevere, and she was a medical missionary in Africa. And during a, an uprising, she was brutally assaulted. And up to this point, she had a very confident trust in God. But now she said, I must ask a question as if it came directly from the Lord. This question, directly from the Lord, that's what she was saying to herself. And this is what God was kind of saying to her, she said to herself, can you thank me for trusting you with this horrible experience, even if I never tell you why? We each have our own unfair, difficult, and even unexplained experiences. There's not a person sitting here tonight that hasn't had difficulty, problems, issues to deal with. But God said, trust me with your whole heart. 
Now that's what we wanna focus on. Can we still trust him even if we never know why? And trusting God is accepting anything we are handed. It is knowing there is purpose in it and we can still trust him and ultimately thank him. Look at that verse that we have on the screen. It's in Jeremiah 17. This is what the Lord says to the prophet Jeremiah. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by water that stands out, sends out its roots in the stream. He does not fear when the heat comes, the leaves are always green. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. That ultimately is a section of scripture that's one of my favorite passages. Remember I was telling you like I preached to myself? That verse nine there in 17, a different translation that I learned as a kid or a young man, the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, who can know it? Sometimes we don't even know our own heart. And we could talk a long time theologically about the, the, the sin issues that we all struggle with, but I just remind myself sometimes about that verse. And so, as I said, trust basically means acceptance. It is taking from God anything he gives us. And acceptance and trusting is resting in God's goodness. It is believing he has all things under his control. And when we feel hurt and alone, God assures us that he cares for us. When we feel angry and resentful, God provides wisdom and strength. When we feel ashamed, God forgives us. And when we feel worry, God promises to supply all of our needs. Can I trust God for those things? That's what I wanna ask you and challenge you tonight with that thought. There's another verse that's uh, from a Philip's paraphrase that I again preach to myself often and it says this in that verse in 1 Timothy 6.15, God who is the blessed controller of all things, the king over all kings and the master of all masters, the only source of immortality, the one who lives in unapproachable light, the one whom we have no mortal eye has ever seen or ever can see, to him be acknowledged all honor and power forever and ever, amen. I preach that verse to myself. God is the blessed controller of all things, even things, people, that I don't particularly like. I preach that to myself. Another one, Romans 8, 28. You know, many of you that have been in the church and raised in the church, if I were to come to you and say, what does Romans 8, 28 say? Most of you could probably quote that to me and you would say something like, all things work together for good. But do you know something? Look at that verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But I think sometimes we forget the first two words. What does it say? We know. We know all things work together for good. It's not a guess, it's not a supposition, it's not a hope, we know. And that's where I wanna rest when I look at that verse, we know. And back to that Proverbs passage that we just read. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart 
And obviously this does not refer to the bodily organ in your chest that pumps blood. It is the inner person, the part of that is that constitutes our intellect, our emotion, and our will. And so the Word of God is telling us to cast all our total trust on our Savior. This is a pretty tough assignment. I know that. And I'm not speaking glibly because I know some of you are sitting here even tonight with heartache and hurt. But I, I really want us to get back to that point where the Lord has told us, trust in me with all your heart. And can we need to trust like trust in our Father. We need hearts that are believing. We need hearts that are convinced. We need hearts that are confident and sure. You know, there's other Proverbs that tell us what not to trust in. Proverbs 11:28 says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Can we get to the point where we can trust God? Can we trust God for his sovereign control over our circumstances? Can we trust God for his gentle compassion in our sorrows? Can we trust God for his holy character in spite of our sinfulness? Can we trust God when he says no, when we need to hear that? Can we trust his wise weight when we were impatient? Can we trust him, his commitment to us when we have wandered away? Can we trust his grace that removes our guilt? Can we trust God for his love that holds us close to him? And can we trust God uh, understanding us when we are confused? And a lot of times we're confused, but we can trust God through that difficulty. So that's the first imperative. Trust God with your whole heart. That's what we want tonight, that reminder. In fact, I'm probably that's not anything, anybody that didn't know that came here and sitting there tonight, you probably knew that when you walked in. So even as I share that with you by way, it's really just a reminder. That's really all it is, is a reminder. Todd's got the next one. Take us to that one, lean not. Number two, lean not. <clears throat> lean not on your own understanding. And like Pastor Jack said, these are imperative verbs. They're not just descriptors, they're commands or directives. This word um, in our English Bible that was translated lean, it comes from a Hebrew word. It means very much of the same idea to support oneself on something, to rely on. And so as you think about that, you see that in scripture, uh, very literally in one passage it says that King Saul leaned on his spear. So it's a very literal use of the word, but then figuratively as well, just like we see in Proverbs 3, 5, lean not on your own understanding. Uh, I think of this passage that just really came off the page to me when I read about a king in Israel's history who was leaning on um, other things to be his support and to be his, his ally, his help. From 2 Chronicles 16, verse 7, it's up on the screen. It says, at that time, Hananiah, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you, and here's that word, relied on the king of Aram and not on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you, and here's now that word again, yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing and from now on, you will be at war. So you see that phrase used twice in there, once negatively, you relied on a foreign king and God actually allowed this army to slip 
through your fingers, but when you relied on God the first time and trusted him, he gave you victory. And so then it says that, and then it kind of uses synonymously those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That might be another way of understanding, leaning upon those whose hearts are fully committed. And I love what it says. What is God doing is he's looking for them. Sometimes in our walk with the Lord, it can feel like we're very much on our own or does God see, does he take note? But this passage is powerful when it says, God is looking, he is on the prowl, wanting to pay attention and identify those whose hearts are truly 100% relying upon him, committed to him. And that's just a great reminder to us, something to be encouraged by about what God is looking for and what God even does that last part. And he strengthens those that he finds that have that kind of reliance upon him. Now, King Asa in the passage we just read was corrected because he relied on a foreign king. But back to our passage today in Proverbs 3, we're we're, um, called to rely not on our own understanding. So what is that? Like that's a very different thing than relying on another human entity. What does that mean to rely, not rely on our own understanding? Well, first off, it begins with this. It begins with this concept that it acknowledges that we do already do this. Like I don't ever need, when my kids were growing up, I never needed to tell them to stop doing something that they were either doing well or something they weren't doing at all. So this infers the fact that that's how we roll. We lean on our own understanding. And so the verb is in there in a negative sense saying, lean not on your own understanding. And our own understanding would be the way that we see the world. Our worldview and the way that we understand not only how the world works, but what we ought to do in any given moment. So I brought a couple things to kind of illustrate kind of maybe what this looks like. Um, for 77 cents at Home Depot, I found a wood dowel. And to me, this is a great example of what it looks like, the, the incredible um, power and strength of us, of our own understanding. The more that we keep talking about my truth, the more that we keep inserting our own view when there's a decision to be made or a philosophy to consider and we just keep thinking, this is what I would do. This is how I think we ought to go. And again, apart from an understanding of who God is, we don't have much else to rely on. But it's about this narrow, and so you can imagine when times get tough and the winds of adversity are blowing, and there's decisions that have to be made, and all of a sudden, we realize there's not a whole lot of strength in our own understanding that's gonna fail. But then the question is, so then what are we to rely upon? And when we moved into our house, this walking stick was left in the garage. And I looked at it and I realized all the work that went into it. You can't tell from there, but the wood is all glazed. There's these great ropes here that are easy to grip. There's even like a cool stopper on the bottom so you won't misstep as you hold on. And I think about that's the whole point, right, of a walking stick is when you're traversing difficult things and you need that support you can lean upon. Now all of a sudden when I have to try in something and lean a certain way, I have every confidence that this is gonna hold me up. And it's not flimsy like my own view and my own understanding, it's rock solid. 
And so by inference, what Solomon is saying to his son in Proverbs 3, don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, lean upon the understanding that God has given us in his word. It's solid, it's sure, you can trust it, you can put your weight upon it. And that's a powerful image, I love the fact that that word literally means to put your weight into something. And so this is what we're hearing. And for us, if you look in your notes, this is what it comes down to. It's a call to stop putting our weight into the ways that we see the world, the ways that we think we should respond and to shift, to shift our reliance upon the, uh, God's viewpoint or the viewpoint that God's direction and his direction as he's instructed us in his revealed word, the Bible. So this is what it is. God, would you help me stop going to my go-to as far as how, what I think I should do or how I think I should see these circumstances and begin relying on the truth, the principles of your words, namely even this book of Proverbs, that I would understand how to navigate moving forward. Yeah. All right, that's number two. Pastor Jack, what do you got for number two? Did you uh, get three of those skinny little sticks? Because you're going to need two tomorrow. I did. I got 77 (laughs) cents times three. Big spender. Big spender. (laughs) Good deal. The next one, number three, is submit. You can write that in your notes. And it says, in all your ways, submit to him. And, you know, we are to recognize God's presence and his will in our walk with him. And we are to have that obedient and submissive heart. Look at First uh, Chronicles 28, 9, and that's where King David challenges his son, Solomon, to serve God. Great passage to me. It says, and you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him, how? Wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. That's kind of scary. Uh, Do you, you know, and I just say, you know, for us sitting here tonight, do you want to know what God's will is or the guidance in your life? Maybe you're struggling with something. And I think there's some very specific passages that will tell you what God's will is for your life. And we'll look at those in just a second. We're to seek his will in all that we do and all those decisions we need to make. Maybe questions, you know, shall I accept that new job though it means less time at home? What if I don't approve of her fiance? How much advice do I give my married child? Shall we have children? How many? Public, Christian school or homeschooling? And how do I raise a child as a single parent? Those are all questions that he, Todd and I have dealt with with people that come and ask us. And I think there's five biblical passages that are required. These are required to know God's guidance. You think, Jack, you're kidding me. No, I believe this is very clear in the scriptures. My premise is that God wants you to know what his will is, specifically. All five of the following principles will make a separate preaching topic. So we don't have a lot of time to go into each one of these, but you're gonna see five of these. And the very first one is your salvation. Look at uh, verse 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to what? Come to repentance. You know, Todd, when he's preaching up here each Sunday or Saturday night, 
usually closes with something we call the ABCs. And it's just an invitation to people sitting here or watching online to invite them to have Jesus Christ come into their lives. Because that's kind of what God has asked us to do. He's told us in Matthew 28 to make disciples. And the first step in that is for a person's salvation. So that opportunity. So I just want you to realize you must be saved. So we have several hundred people here tonight. There might even be one person sitting out there that's never made that decision to follow Christ. Look at the next verse, 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so my question is, if you've never been saved, then you are not even the beginning of God's will. Why should God reveal anything to you when you have not met number one there? So you might, you might be sitting here and wondering what God's will is for your life. I can tell you very specifically, he wants you to be born again. He wants you to be saved. That's the first thing. Second principle, spirit feel. Look at that verse. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Look at the next part, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you get that? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. I love that word, debauchery. <laughs> debauchery. Word. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, uh, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Questions like I said before, I don't understand why God hasn't revealed whom I am to marry, or why doesn't God show me the business deal I'm to make, or why doesn't God show me the job I am to take? Why should God show a person something he's not even fulfilling that which God has already stated is his will. He says he wants you to be born again, he wants you to have salvation, and he wants you to be spirit-filled. By the way, all of these start with the letter S. That's good for me. And then, because I practice these kinds of goofy things in my mind. The next one is sanctified. Look at that verse, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 7. What's the first couple words there? It is what? It is what? God's will. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that is the matter no one should uh, wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sin as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. God desires every believer to be sanctified. Now you might say, Jack, what does sanctified mean? It basically means just to be set apart. We are to die unto sin, and it's a, it's a separation from sin, a sinful life. And I, I just think to myself, I love the old New American Standard Bible when it used to use the, the term abstain from this. I mean, stop doing that. And so you guys, it's absurd for anyone living in immorality to say, God, show me your way. Do you get that? How can you ask God for direction and guidance when you're not even living a holy life? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I have a quote from you of a pastor that used to be at a church in Chicago called Moody Church. And he said this, don't expect God to reveal his will for you next week 
until you practice it for today. You get that? that? That's great. It's just a good reminder. And then the fourth one, to know God's will for your life and get some direction from him, you need to be in submission. Look at that verse in 1 Peter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. And then what does it say? For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorance talk of foolish men or foolish people. You get that? So again, how am I asking God for wisdom and for guidance and direction when I'm not even living in submission to those that God has put over me? And it might be for you young people, it might be your parents. And if you're disobedient to your parents and then you're asking God to help you figure out what to do, that makes no sense. It doesn't. Or maybe an employee-employee situation. If you're an employee working for an employer, it's the same idea. It's the same idea, I think, the government. There's a lot of things I don't like about the government. Anybody agree with me? Come on. Yeah, probably get a lot of hands. Okay, there's at least two of you. But, uh, but I think about that, there's things that, but I still am called to be obedient to those. It says the purpose of government, by the way, there's kind of fascinating, is punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. That's fascinating to me. We could talk a long time about that. But I think even other believers, maybe God's called you to be in submission. And even this one, we don't practice this one a lot, is to be obedient to our pastoral leaders and submit to their leadership. Now, that's not popular in some churches, but I just want you to know. The next one is suffer. Write that one in. Another S word. We got salvation, spirit-filled, sanctified, uh, submission, and now the word suffer. Look at that verse in 1 Peter 4. So then, those who suffer according to what? What's it say? To God's will. Should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. 1 Peter 3, 17. For it is better... What? If it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. We are, we are suffering sometimes not because we were doing good, but because we were stupid and did dumb things. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of suffering, but suffering for the name of Christ. And often when we stand up for what is righteous and stuff, there will be some suffering. In fact, we can look at some other verses here. If you're living a godly life in an ungodly world, you probably will have times that you have to suffer for his namesake, okay? What does it say there in 2 Timothy 3.12? In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted, got that? Next one, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Suffering is kind of linked to faith in some situations. And sometimes we suffer because of our faith. And I'm not talking about suffering for being stupid. Because some of us are, sometimes we make some pretty dumb choices. But it says in that verse, you guys, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Just as a funny illustration of that, Todd, not a funny one. I don't mean funny, haha, but... 39 years ago, last month, uh, a fella named Tom Mercer, and Tom, you guys might remember that name if you've been around a while, but we talked about me leaving another ministry about coming to High Desert Church. We had about 150 people at that time, 
And that was a very difficult decision for me, but I honestly believe these five things were true. Boom, 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 boom. Now, I'm not going to say like in an arrogant way, but I believe God, if I was fulfilling those things, God was going to make my path straight. And you're going to talk about that. And I believe that's what happened. And that's ultimately what brought me here. So, and, you know. And I'm so glad it did. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. You guys look at number four in your notes. Make your path straight. Make your path straight. So we've looked at three imperative verbs. Trust, negatively, do not, lean. And this last one, submit. Submit to the Lord. And like Pastor Jack started in our time together today, these, these are for us. When you look at scripture and you're trying to consider, God, how do you want me to live my life? What are the decisions I need to be making that align with your rightness, your righteousness? These are the things that are for us to not just consider, but pursue and live out. This last one though is not up to us, it's actually on God. And this idea that he will make your paths straight. This Hebrew word has the concept of one that goes ahead and clears a path for another to be able to navigate successfully behind. See it in another place, Isaiah 45, two. I will go before you and will level the mountains. That's the idea. I'm gonna go before, I'm gonna clear a path, and I will break down the gates of bronze and will cut through barns, or bars, I'm sorry, of iron. Now, for some of you, when you, you know, I used my walking stick earlier, when you go hiking, you, you love actually some curvy roads or some things, uh, paths that are difficult to navigate. When you ride your motorcycle, a great place to go is up in the mountains with all the curves, but I'm telling you, for the most part, we love a path that is not just cleared for us and straight, but one that we can walk upon one step in front of the next and not having to worry about a boulder in the road or, or some landslide to the side. I think about back in the day, um, I was a kid and my dad had this really huge win. There, before there was such a thing as what we just call vans today, and there are many, we had a, he had this massive Dodge van. And I remember he had a sales call up in the mountains like in Lake Arrowhead. And on the way up, uh, things were fine and I was with him and I wanted to sit in the very, very back and it was an extended van, so this super huge mammoth of a thing. And the sales call did not go well. And so my dad on the way home, I think just to burn off a little steam, he was like Mario Andretti on the way down the hill. And we are flying around curves and I'm in the back getting tossed back and forth. And I'm just sitting there going, please God, a straight road, flat and no curves now. And it wouldn't be till the bottom of the mountain and me getting over and dealing with stomach sickness that uh, I'd get on the other side of that. And so you've, you've experienced that before, you're just like the curves and the challenges or the bumps and everything else, this isn't fun. This is actually something I wish would get narrow or straight and flat and smooth so I could just walk upon it. And that's what this is about. When we will live out these first three imperative verbs, God says there's this thing that I'm wanting to do for you. And like Pastor Jack said, it's foolish to ex expect that there would be a, a path that's straight, that God would direct my path when I'm living in a way that's not consistent with his design. So we get to this final part and it's important, but I wanna remind you of a couple things we said a couple weeks ago. We showed a video with the Bible Project guys and they reminded us that the Proverbs are not promises. Yeah. 
The Proverbs are possibility or probabilities. This is the way the world generally works. When I will live in this posture and attitude of trust, of not leaning on my own understanding, submitting to him and what his will is for my life, then I see a pathway that is something that I can navigate. When I, when I have a posture that entrusts myself and my story to God, when I choose to not lean on my own how-tos about life and to seek God's direction, and when you gain his direction and decisions and choose to submit to that still, then, then you consistently find a road to walk that is not full of chaotic curves and twists and turns, but one that you can navigate. And that's the beauty of when we hear this. For many of us, when we were looking at a series in the book of Proverbs, we knew we couldn't miss a week like this. Many people I've talked to have said, Todd, this is the, the life verse that I live by. I'm gonna trust God, not lean on my own understanding, submit to him, and, I, and my prayer and hope is that I would have him direct and smooth out my path so I could walk in it. And that still requires you, right? It's not like you're, you're just sitting, just let life happen. There's still steps to take, but you know he's the one navigating the way. And when you process that and you consider that, it brings you to this point of going, God, that's the road I wanna walk. That's the road I choose, and I choose it because I'm living out these first three imperative verbs. Yeah. In your notes, trust, lean not, and submit to God's will this week and watch the ways that he directs your path. And man, I'm so excited as we go through this book of Proverbs, so grateful for Pastor Jack, the ongoing source of wisdom he is for me and for so many others, uh, both at High Desert Church and churches in our region here in Southern California, and just grateful for you sharing with us tonight. No, it's a privilege to be here, Todd. Thank you, it's fun to uh, be with you again. I love you, and I really am thankful God has brought you to High Desert Church. Thank you. Yep. Well, let's do this. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we come before you today, and we want to say thank you for these two verses that are so incredibly significant to us. Two verses that people often will have on a placard somewhere up in their house, somewhere that's close to their, their mind, that they can be reminded, rather than lean on what I think for today, rather than uh, distrust what God has for me, rather than submit to God's design for my life. I wanna do those things in the opposite. I wanna trust God with all that I am, expecting that the way he's gonna direct and lead my life is gonna be his plan, his design, and so much better than anything of my own. If you're here today and you would say, Todd, I, I want that, and it's not as though I just want that for today or I want that afresh. I want that for the first time. I've lived my life my own way. I've lived my life according to my best understanding, and I see where it keeps getting me. I see failure after failure. I see pothole after pothole. And so I wanna see that change. I wanna recognize that God has the right to call me to these first three verbs. And as a result, I wanna entrust my life to him. You can make that decision today, like Pastor Jack had mentioned earlier, by A, admitting. Admitting that you are a sinner who needs a savior. Admitting that you have leaned on your own understanding and like that twig of a dowel, it breaks quickly. 
So instead, I wanna do something right, something better. Would you be believe? Believe that this book of Proverbs that is showing us, that is foreshadowing wisdom in the person of Christ, believe that this God-man came to the planet, he lived a sinless life, he died a sacrificial death, he was raised supernaturally on the third day, covering, atoning your sin. And would you see, choose. Choose like the book of Proverbs, not just to know stuff, but pursue things, to act on what you know. Choose to say, Jesus, I need what you have done in my place. I recognize my own failures. I recognize your rightness. Would you atone for my sin? And I wanna follow you all the days of my life. You can make that decision today and I pray not another moment would go by until you would. And Father, thank you so much for what you've revealed to us in your word. You've left us with a map. God, thank you so much for that. Would you help us follow what you've given us, your instructions for us? We love you and we pray in the great name of Jesus, amen.